Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you. Brentford 2, Chelsea 2. A few questions I have for your podcast today, Nick, and I'm just absolutely puzzled about one, what does Poch say at halftime? Again, second week in a row, they've come out, rabbit in the headlights, dribbling, no idea. Number two, does Cole Palmer have a right foot? I just... He doesn't. He doesn't. No, I agree, he doesn't. I just... English Iron Robin, wannabe. I, will I take a draw, considering where we were? Yeah. But I'm not happy, mainly because... Load of fans of booze Sterling onto the pitch. When we're two one down, and he's coming on to try and rescue the game, potentially wins the game. It's just not on, is it? It's not on. If I'm on three hundred k, and you're booing me onto a pitch, am I going to want to try then? No. But um, yeah, I'm a bit annoyed. Really, there's a lot of things today. I think the game was there for taking, really, and I feel like we've just completely fucked it. <sighs> At least Chelsea don't play next week. Don't you just love it when you've watched something and you see that people have put their heart and their soul into it and have just given you an absolute beautiful, brilliant experience and you can't wait to talk about it with your talk about it with your mates? Yeah, this isn't a podcast for that. This is a podcast that talks about Chelsea, unfortunately. Um, uh, that is just not accurate at all. Joining me to look back at a frustrating two-wheel draw at Redford. It's Mr. Tom Curley. Tom, how are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually good, thanks, mate. I'm not going to lie. Um, this weekend would be considerably worse if June Part 2 hadn't come out yesterday. Um, so I just have to say thank you to the filmmakers for actually delaying it and putting it on a weekend like this because it, it really needed it because uh, it's been yet another disappointing weekend um, from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, so at least there's some sort of thread of happiness to 
sort of cling on to uh, as we talk about Chelsea again. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And as said, uh, Christopher Nern is punching the air that this was uh, this was delayed till till now, so he's probably got de- his Oscar chances are significantly improved. But anyway, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe there'll be some June references for our podcast. No spoilers, don't worry, people. We're not sickos. It's only been out a day or two days when you're listening to this. We're not that ill. We're not that. We're not that big. Uh, as always, do guests again give themselves a plug. So Tom, tell people where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, uh, so you can find me on at Tom Cody forty nine on Twitter. Uh, and also like my author page on football.london. There's also the occasional bit there for Manchester Evening News and the Liverpool Echo, but mainly the Chelsea coverage will be uh, on my Twitter. Um, So that's the place to go for a little bit of cricket and film chat as well. Lovely, lovely stuff. Tom's links will be in the description below. Um, Right. Let's get into it. Um, I don't normally do this, but I think it's a good point to start because we got a question on it. Jam. What the hell was that starting eleven, Tom? Let's start there because that is the, I guess, the first point of discussion controversy. I guess it's a back three. It's a back three that has been was discussed about, uh, and then you know seemed like you know was going to happen, and then didn't. Uh, it happened today. I'll be honest. The relief when I saw that it was a back three and not Chilwell left wing was was palpable. Um, Tom, Richard Pochettino is going to get cooked for that second half, and we will get on to that. But I will give him credit. So that first half, I think the back three approach worked. Um, that first half, I thought Chelsea were not outstanding. They were not spectacular, but they Brentford did not look really a threat. Chelsea had them kind of under control. Chelsea created, you know, some opportunities. Enzo Fernandez had a couple of nice passes in behind. Jackson, obviously, you know, one of those to Jackson where he he fails to really round the keeper with any confidence. And Tom Chelsea do take the lead uh, with a with a lovely Jackson goal from a Malagusta cross, something we you know maybe potentially are going to start becoming accustomed to. Uh, but Tom, let's just kind of get into it. That starting eleven, you know, freeback didn't you know skeptical, but fair play. The first half didn't really have any issues with it, but obviously, I guess we see the issues later on. No, I quite like the team. I know Jam is very very critical of any sort of three back formation in general so he gets very scared gets a bit of PTSD from the back the you know the entirety of 2022 from the way that the sort of Tuchel era carried out and is very scared of the sort of three-back formation in general I quite liked it Chelsea's squad is generally pretty well suited for it like those three centre-backs you'd look on paper and think yeah like they work together in a back three Um, I was relieved not to see Chilwell playing left wing more for the conversations about it than actually how it might carry out on the field um because effectively what Chelsea did was say we will match you up in this formation and we will say that we will beat you in the one-on-ones and we'll be better than you and as a team of Chelsea's caliber and a team in the form of Brentford that that isn't a surprise Chelsea should be able to do that and I was talking to people like Jan before the game and I said that like Chelsea have more than enough quality on the pitch to win this game like it will not be the formation that loses Chelsea this game. Um, and I don't think it was the formation that lost Chelsea this game. The problem I think a lot of people have is that they see you playing this Brentford team with the amount of injuries that they have and the fact that there's only two out-and-out attackers, Palmer and Jackson on the pitch. Gallagher, although he's on a bit of a scoring streak at the moment, he's not the sort of number 10 that people think of uh, compared to the other players Chelsea have had in this sort of formation. And even though Malo Gusto is just as much of a winger as any of Chelsea's wingers, to be honest, he 
like Ben Chilwell is looking pretty, he, he, he's struggling uh, since coming back from injury, to put it that way. He looks pretty slow at the moment. So he's not the same Ben Chilwell. But to answer your question, I didn't actually mind the starting eleven much like you. And I thought Chelsea were okay in the first half. It looked like they could up the ante at any point. And when they did, they actually played through Brentford quite nicely. I was really impressed with Moises Caicedo for most of the afternoon, to be honest. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Um, but Chelsea just were a little bit too slow on the ball in the first half. And given that they had the three centre-backs, they really should have been a little bit more from all of them to drive forward with the ball past the first line of pressure and then get Chelsea like the sort of man advantage. And they didn't really do that. So there was a lot of passing sideways, backwards, too many touches. But when Chelsea actually popped into midfield and got Caicedo and Fernandes playing through the lines, which is sort of what the formation allows them to do, they played pretty nicely and created like the overlaps with um, especially Gusto on the right-hand side. Chelsea should have done it more, thread him, threaded him through and behind. But they just didn't particularly do it, especially not in the second half anyway. I don't think the formation is what cost Chelsea the game today at all. Um, people will use it as a stick to beat Pochettino with. Fair enough, maybe. I think he doesn't help himself with the criticism he gets. Yeah, in so general. I guess the reason people, yeah, I guess the reason people use it as a bit stick to beat with is that you see in the second half, Chelsea. One of you know reason was that for as well, you know, to try and I guess handle the threat, but Brentford had physicality high, etc. And when you see in the second half, it just not work. Obviously, then for people, it's easy to absolutely draw that conclusion. Uh, um, yeah, and like I, I think like Brentford didn't really deal Chelsea many problems like with set pieces because they didn't get them in the first half. They didn't really get the ball into the box. Although there there was a Tony shot from the back post, I think in the first half. And yeah, but it's there was where Chilwell sign of loses it, and then it gets yeah blocked by by yeah. a mixture of him and Colwell. Yeah, it was a bit of a half chance. They were both on top of him, and then Wisser had an overhead kick in the first half. I'm not sure if he would have been offside or not. But other than that, Chelsea like controlled the game and did well to sort of take any energy out of Brentford's performance. Um, the, the the problem comes in the second half is when Chelsea weren't able to play the ball out from the back at all, like ever. Like Petrovic went long almost every single time because he's not amazing with his feet. Um, he's also not amazing at collect, coming out for crosses, which is probably his biggest weakness at, at, at the moment on a little bit of a tangent. Um, and I feel like the lack of bodies up front, even just around Jackson, I felt like he was very, very isolated for a lot of the game. And he wasn't, he didn't really do much in the game, to be honest, did he? Like he had that step over in the first half, which everyone laughed about. He then had the shot blocked on the line, which he should have scored. And then he scores the goal, which is really a goal. Um, But then he hardly touches the ball in the second half. Like I don't remember him doing anything particularly in the game. Um, so I guess part of the argument with, with, the, with the three back is that if you had a four back, then there might be more bodies to sort of go and get the ball and keep it up front, um, which Chelsea just didn't have in the second half at all. Yeah. And I, I, Tom, I guess, I guess another argument, and we will get into talking about first half Nico's gone. So I guess also maybe another argument people can say is that like, it is, you know, potentially just quite like a reactionary choice to play that lineup. It's, you know, it's not something Poch has t- done really this season. He has tended to go, to the fullback and people, you know, again, it just depends how you interpret it, but it could be kind of seen as, you know, just like a, a reaction move, not actually kind of thinking of the, you know, again, that faithful word, like longer term, just kind of using in the immediacy, almost maybe some people might also you define as like survival football, right? Just trying to get, simply just trying to get a result, not really focused on anything else. So when you don't get that result, it then also does look 
look quite bad when you see that Brentford are fragile and as we will get onto later what happens in the last 10 minutes of that game when Chelsea have actually you know have gone away from the free back and have more attackers on the pitch but we will get to that there's a conversation there's a few conversations <laughs> to be had before that Tom let's talk about a bright, a bright spot Nicholas Jackson scores his eighth Premier League goal this season only two under 23 players have more in Cole Palmer and Bukayo Saka, Malagusto now also has provided five plus assists in the Premier League for Chelsea this season. That's only him and Cole Palmer have provided that amount. Uh, Tom, this is a really nice goal. Uh, a goal we've kind of, you know, we saw basically a couple of weeks ago against Aston Villa or so. Um, it was a very Brentford you know, goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a very tough <laughs> Brentford type of goal to, to score. Um, Tom, just, I guess, a word like, you know, Malagusto looked knackered midweek, um, you know, not his best game. He was, I thought he was more on it today. And Jackson as well. I mean, it's two, it's two, two in the week for him. You know, I kind of also, as we said on the pod, I said on the pod with Daniel Fink, we both kind of felt he's a bit hard done by getting subbed off at, at Wembley against Liverpool. And Tom, yes, I know Jackson frustrates. Yes, he obviously has moments that just do make you pull your hair out. But again, you know, I know you're a big, big Nicholas Jackson fan. We, you've gone to his defence. We, you know, we've gone to his defence before on this podcast. But again, you know, again, just having a, a decent season in a, in a Chelsea team that is learning and growing he seemed to certainly be one of those players who was doing that and I probably think he'd just be getting a bit more love if his Chelsea team in general was doing better and he basically just they had more probably experienced and senior players around to kind of just help the situation and lift them up because I feel that you know maybe Jackson is perhaps also a victim of just where Chelsea find themselves in the league because said he's you know I'm pretty sure he's he's equaled or you know equaled Havertz's his best season you know for Chelsea up top dude I think he's probably equaled Lukaku's uh, yeah. season Premier League goal tally in that season up top as well so I mean, just yeah, just words. I've heard a lot there. Just words on Jackson and then uh, and then Gusto, probably the two two standouts. Certainly about first half. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right. And the the thing is with Jackson as well, you got to remember that basically outside of the period where he was at Afcon and not at Chelsea, he has played. He has been the first choice striker. Like he has played a lot more than I think probably Chelsea ever planned him to play. They probably wanted Breuer and Nkunku to take the attention away from him quite a lot more. So a little bit like Rasmus Hoyland, he's been chucked into the deep end in a pretty dysfunctional team and he's doing pretty well. Um, barring that th- th- he has every chance of equally and going beyond Mason Mount's 11 goals it, from 21-22, which would mean that only Tammy Abraham's 15 in 19-20 is, has, has more than him. And this is his debut season as a 22-year-old for £30 million who only started playing as a striker sort of 13, 14 months ago. I've been really, really impressed with Nicholas Jackson. I know a lot of people, when he misses chances or doesn't play quite as well up front, say he should be playing left wing. I disagree. I think you just have to plug away with him as a striker. I think he's got a lot to him. Like, this season, he could very much pass Ivan Toney's non-penalty goals, like uh, non-penalty goals total from the season which was 12 I think last year um, that would be really really impressive, impressive for Jackson um, it wasn't his best game today Chelsea really didn't punch the ball through the midfield enough to sort of get him involved especially in the first half I mean and, and the second half just went long to him but we, we've, we saw him at his best and worst today that header was delightful it was sort of Lukaku at his best the way it sort of just sort of flicked in it was very much like the Villa goal I mean what a cross like the the, the biggest compliment you could say is that could have been Reese James and everyone would you know wouldn't be batting an eyelid about it it was it was a remarkable cross um and which makes the header even harder because it was whipped in it had serious pace the angle on it was was not easy um 
but then again, Jackson, you know, only a couple of minutes earlier, does well to round the goalkeeper, but completely lacks the sort of composure to probably take a touch there and just smash it as hard as he can. There's no reason for him to shoot there where he does. But if I'm keep defending Nicholas Jackson, and I will, I mean, Chelsea don't particularly have the options right now. I mean, Breuer's not getting off the bench at Fulham. I would like to see, and this is part of a wider conversation, I would like to see someone like Ronnie Stutter getting into a matchday squad or even the pod favourite David Washington get into a squad yeah, or something. Jesse's yeah, uh, <laughs> favourite David Washington, yep. Because, like, that there's, because there's just no one else right now to take the attention away from, um, from Jackson and Cole Palmer up front is not the answer, neither is Raheem Sterling. Um, Malo Gusto, again, like, I think these two have probably been the best two pieces of business that Chelsea have made over the past nearly two years. Um, it looks an absolute bargain. He's still only 20 years old. He's, as you say, like the five assists, he he always looks confident on the ball. I would like to see him actually get to the byline more and cross the ball in because he always tends to come inside with his big touches. Um, he's played a lot of football in recent weeks without too much rest for a player that has shown that he does pick up muscular injuries, which is which is a bit of a worry for him. But it's hard to pin anything too much on Malo Gusto today. He does look like someone who can be an archetypal wing-back, um, which is potentially good. I'm not, not really sure what anybody thinks of sort of a wing-back formation going forward, but they were both impressive for Chelsea today. Certainly linking up for that goal, I'm sure that is a combination we will see quite a lot moving forward at Chelsea, no matter what system, what manager. I think Malo Gusto and Nicholas Jackson are doing a really impressive job despite the eternal chaos around them. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And Tom, you know, Chelsea won love at half time, and you would have liked to have thought Chelsea, you know, on, you know, have got the goal, confidence started to grow, uh, that they would kick on against a Brentford team that prior to this, I think, had six points in their last 12 games. Uh, and really, just really, really struggled. Had an injury crisis of her own. We were basically a whole back line out injured. Um, and then, Tom, for the second time in a week, Chelsea have an absolutely awful second half, get completely outplayed, um, and then sort of rescue it at the death. Not quite, you know, still not quite the result we wanted, but still sort of rescue it to some degree. And then if you kind of throw in what happens, the extra time as well. Chelsea have just, you know, had three pretty shocking 90 minutes extra time since then. Tom, we have got, thanks to the very wonderful people on Twitter, we have found some stats. Shout out to friend of a pod, Jess, for finding this out. And then 
shout to you in a sec as well. Uh, Jess, uh, and everyone knows Jet underline underscore Frotter, uh, for those who want to follow her on Twitter, has found the stats for Chelsea in the first half versus Chelsea in the second half. Now, we obviously know football does not just work like this, but it's just a kind of a useful indicator for people to have. The Premier League table for the first half of games this season, Chelsea would be in eighth place with 39 points from 26 games. Um, that is only, that is, as I said, and they're one, one goal difference worse than Newcastle in seventh, one point less than West Ham in sixth, one point worse than Tottenham in fifth, two points worse than Liverpool in fourth, three, uh, yeah, three points worse than Liverpool in second, five, the Villa in second, uh, five and then seven, the Villa and C. Uh, but Tom, we compare that to the second half. Chelsea find themselves 17th and only just above the newly promoted teams in Sheffield United, Burnley and Luton. Now, Tom, if we then kind of go one step further and do break it down even more, Chelsea in the first half at home sit in 10th, uh, four wins, seven draws, one defeat uh, compared to at home the second half, uh, three wins, four draws, five defeats. But Tom, I think what's really damning is that and relevant today, first half Chelsea and first halves away from home compared to second halves away from home. First halves away from home, second in the league, twenty points from fourteen, one four drawn eight, lost two. But in second halves, they are sixteenth, one three drawn two, lost nine. I mean that is just pretty, pretty damning and just kind of indicate indicative of just you know just you know of quite a few things and just uh, leads a lot of questions. For example, what does Maurizio Pochettino say to them at half time? Why is a team that is why is a Mauricio Pochettino team that should be kind of well you know well known for its fitness and its durability and stamina to go distance? Why is there such a drop off in the second half? I mean, Tom, we see it in the second half today. Within minutes, it's one all, and the tone of the game has shifted completely. Um, just damning and uh, and a real real big worry, isn't it? But like, this it is, is this is this is a pattern that's going on been going on a while. It is. A- it's interesting, right? But before this last week or so, and before that extra time period, I hadn't particularly thought about it. I hadn't really thought, oh, Chelsea are terrible in second halves, because I think a lot of it is tainted by the early season loss of what, loss at home to Villa, loss at home to Forest, loss at home to Brentford, which all came via second half goals, which Chelsea conceded at poor times and then couldn't salvage. Whereas... In recent weeks, it's been actually Chelsea being in decent positions, nil-nil at half-time in the cup final, getting to extra time in the cup final on top, leads 2-1 up, having come from behind, and today leading at half-time, having been in control of the game. Very different game states to those other ones, but just starting really, really poorly. And it's, it's the stat now that has come out and completely owns the narrative around these performances and when people are questioning Maurizio Pochettino and they are coming for him louder and louder every single week, it's the sort of thing that does him absolutely no good because we know he's not this tactical genius. He's not going to tinker with things particularly. He's not going to come up with revolutionary ways to win. So if he can't get his players playing and if his, if you start questioning his man management skills and his motivation and having the players on side, then you're really losing the complete essence of what Maurizio Pochettino is. And that's really, really worrying because that is what Chelsea needed. They wanted this 
guy that could come in and, and settle things down. I know this is going away from the point, but if, if Chelsea haven't got that, then they haven't got what they wanted with Pochettino at all. Um, and he doesn't make it back in other ways, like genius tactical instructions and bits of play like that and um, immense coaching and patterns of play and circuits and stuff. That that doesn't come with Pochettino. So to be that fragile after half time, it, it's really, really strange. And I don't think you can keep putting it down to this being a young team. I was thinking about it. This must have been one of the youngest teams today because we had, what, Dizassi 25, Chilwell 27 or 28, and then everyone else was between 22 and 24. I guess that's normal, right, for Chelsea. But it felt like, I don't know what is wrong with the team because I've seen a lot of conversations and a lot of people saying well, he's clearly asking them to play passively after half-time. And I'm thinking, that cannot be the case. I would be really surprised if Pochettino was in that dressing room saying the words, let's sit back, let's soak up pressure, and let's try and hit him on the counter. If he is, that is truly mind-boggling, and he sort of deserves what's coming to him. If he's not, I'm, I'm genuinely worried about what is going on, how Chelsea are that brittle. Um... I mean, the period after halftime, Chelsea are are woeful. And put it this way, they're also pretty poor at the start of games. In the opening 15 minutes of matches, they've only scored three goals. They've conceded four. You know, it's, it's pretty low scoring, but it's not exactly coming out of the blocks quickly. And in the period after halftime, they've only scored four, but they've conceded eight, which is, you know, like in, in like the bottom six in the league. It's really, really bad. And Chelsea also have an appalling record towards the end of games. I mean, this is... You know they've conceded fourteen goals from the seventy fifth minute onwards. But that that's that's woeful. That's that's genuinely woeful. It, it it's a it is partially a mentality thing, and it must be. And this doesn't just come from the manager because there are players here, and we know they're inexperienced and they don't quite know how to win. But it is clearly not being sold by the manager, and we are now eight nine months into Maurizio Pochettino's tenure. And these are the sort of things that you can get away with if there are other bright sparks to point towards. But right now there isn't. So when these things come up, it's another layer of shit, basically, to to put on him and to say, what is going on? Why are you not able to solve this? And as the weeks go on, we have seen it so, so heavily in these past three weeks there are just more and more and more questions being asked of Pochettino and he is showing the ability to have less and less and less of the answers, which is really, really quite worrying for the manager. I don't know why Chelsea are so poor at the start of second half. So I can't put my finger on it. I don't think it's as simple as Pochettino giving them wrong instructions, but whatever it is, it's damning and it's bad. And when things turn, it's the sort of thing that makes things worse. And I guess it was also just quite wrong how we just generally tend to just not be able to really necessarily recover. I feel if Chelsea are to suffer a setback, it tends to be in the first half and they recover it in time. But the longer the game goes on, it's particularly get into that second period. That does not happen. Yeah, Tom, as you said, look, it is not just coach, it is on players. Because, Tom, let's talk about that first goal we can see. Oh. <laughs> I... That's the noise. <laughs> there it is. Oh. I'm watching it. 
and it's like a car crash in slow motion. Like, but the thing is, but you can see what's going to happen. Dazazi doesn't like. It's like he thinks he has all the time in the world to clear the ball. He doesn't, and then Bruslev's there ahead of him to to slot home. Like I don't know in what world in the box when there's a ball loose in your box in you probably near your, near the spot, near the five yard line, where you don't just go. You know what? Let's 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 allow it some more time in a dangerous area instead of fucking hoofing it away. Isn't well, this Dizassi's thing as well? Like he, his thing has sort of become just smashing the ball away, right? Just c- c- come through player, teammate, opposition, ball, anything in his way, clear it out. That was exactly the time to do it. Like it's really, yeah. really puzzling why on this occasion he thinks, oh yeah, after what was probably three or four defensive mistakes before that, I'll just shepherd this through to my goalkeeper who doesn't really come off his line that much. In the best of times, I mean, it, it was a shambles oh. from start to, from start to finish. The more you look through it, like Gusto doesn't cover himself in glory at, at like at the back post, but then Caicedo sort of loses out on the fifty fifty. Like he he he's in and around that and doesn't really crunch into it. And then Dizassi is just sort of sums it up by just his brain just completely freezing in that moment. I, I, I'm like I'm stumped. By I, it. I just. I have no explanation. Like it's just so poor, but it's like it's just like mid-table Chelsea. Like that's what it is. That's what you get when you're that kind of yeah. side. It's just such a poor, poor goal to concede. And like it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, for Dazazi, it's kind of been a rough, been a rough week because again, he sort of plays his part in that awful pass to Caicedo for for Leeds' opener midweek. And it's yeah, he, no, it's just such a poor goal to concede. Tom, at that point, look, this is starts like on. And this is a Brentford team low on confidence. But at that point, you just give them the confidence they need, you know, because they've kind of seen, they've decided that's going up. They'll step up a bit more. Chelsea, you know, they, you know, they've 45 minutes gone. They're yeah, you know, we don't actually need to fear Chelsea necessarily as much. And then you just give them that confidence. And from then on, Tom, like, I'll be honest, it was, yeah, it was kind of just one way traffic, really. Like, in the, in, the, in, the, in the, like, in between that, Chelsea have a counter attack, which Cole Palmer doesn't finish off. It's a really nice ball across by Gusto, but Palmer. Fires wide, but then aside from that, Chelsea offer nothing, and they haven't had a shot on target in the second half. I think till till the till the late equalizer, which we'll go on to in a sec. Uh, but Tom Benson goal comes in, and it's a ball into box, which we don't deal with. And then Johan Vissa in the penalty box has all the time in the world to score an overhead kick. Yeah, like a in, kick. Like, e- either side of up. this, like, either side of this, on. they hit the post as well, don't they? They, they hit the post pretty soon yeah, after, the after leveling. They hit the post, they... They, they hit the post once before, and then once after yeah. two one or twice before. Yeah. yeah, and talking about essentially relative defensive solidity, but Chelsea showing the first is just gone in the space of 20 25 minutes. You said Johan Vissa scores a, an overhead kick, and it's 2 1. And again, it's just like Chelsea from a game which, but of half time, where Chelsea were not in any real danger, they were not, you know, you weren't confident Chelsea were actually going to win. That's just because of what you, we kind of know the experience of being a Chelsea fan. It's the fact that in 25 minutes, the situation has become so dire. Like it's actually quite staggering how it has gone from a position of relative comfort. Like we're going, this is this isn't bad. We scored a goal. We could probably get in behind Brentford again. To all of a sudden, oh my god, we look clueless. We're getting absolutely outplayed here. We're probably going to lose this more than two one if it's a side with any more confidence from Brentford. Like it's yeah, bizarre I, just the drop. I, I tell you what, as well. So when Chelsea scored their goal, the sort of five minutes before and ten minutes after Chelsea scored in the first half. They looked good. Chelsea had started to turn the screw a little bit in that first half. And I literally said out loud whilst watching the game at home, 
score a second here, put it, put the game to bed. 2-0, Chelsea win that game. It's it's done and dusted. It might be 3-1, it might be 2-1, it might be 2-0. Chelsea win that game if they score a second before half-time. And there was a real chance to do that, I felt, because they I, I don't know if they created any massive chances, but they were just on top of Brentford. They were all of a sudden controlling the ball around the Brentford box. Gallagher and Gusto were getting some good moments uh, on the right-hand side. And I thought, this is Chelsea's chance put. Like, it's what Gary Neville said, like, last week, you know, like, go at them, go at Brentford, put this brittle side to the sword and and get it done. And Chelsea didn't do it. And so when Brentford score, it's one of those where Brentford score the goal, you see the celebrations, you see the replays. And then the next thing you see is Brentford getting the ball. And you think, hold on, didn't Chelsea kick off? How have, how have Chelsea already lost the ball? And that is it. Chelsea lost the ball after score, after conceding, and then basically didn't regain it for the entire half. They just kept on going long, losing the ball whilst trying to play out. And they had no reaction. They had no reaction in terms of calming the game down, in terms of getting the ball on the floor and playing it past what should be inferior players. They had no tactical answer to it until really, really late on, which just involved lump it, give it to Palmer and Gusto and Cross and Hope. Like, it was, it was hopeless. It was hopeless. Chelsea, they didn't luck themselves to the draw, right? But they didn't exactly earn it. There was nothing between conceding and scoring that made you think, oh, hello, Chelsea might actually get a, get a goal back here, basically, until until the goal went in. I mean, and, and Brentford sort of slightly retreated. It, it was really, really bad. And, and it, did, it mirrored Leeds the other day, where, where Chelsea should have been able to play around that Leeds press and should have been able to get through them because there were spaces, but they just couldn't and didn't. And that is really, really worrying for a squad and a manager right now. Yeah, and Tom, look, it's, it's pretty poor. Uh, Mudrick comes on for Enzo in the 71st minute. Sterling comes on in the 79th minute. But Tom, it was just amazing. Like Leeds midweek, when you actually go after them and attack them, shock, they're vulnerable. They, 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 their confidence is also low too. They're not great defensively. Because yes. Tom, as soon as Chelsea basically start attacking, which is probably the final 10 minutes, they score pretty instantaneously. Cole Palmer blags walks away with another goal contribution <laughs> from a pretty crap game, which is the beauty of Cole Palmer. I, I yeah. call it the efficiency of Cole Palmer. But ten, ten, he's now up to 10 goals, 7 assists in Premier League this season, despite having a pretty woeful game today. Yes, yeah. But Tom McCann says it. And look, there it is. Dazazi sort of redeeming himself a little bit for, for his for his part in the opening goal in his tool. And then from that point on, Tom, again, you kind of think Chelsea, you know, they do sort of have the potential to go on. Brentford then kind of shit themselves and they're giving away set pieces and corners. And then obviously Chelsea quality doesn't end. But Tom, again, it's just kind of maddening that the second halves are kind of basically played out pretty much for saying Chelsea get outplayed. In, in you know from a they're in a position of strength going into their second half, they then get outplayed, and then they have to end up sort of rescuing it at the end when they actually do finally attack. It's this bizarre state where instead of oh you know, she kicking on, and playing you know on the front foot, they then just retreat and then eventually try and have to you know leave it lay on. Yeah, I mean it's truly large, truly bizarre. I know, I know you've obviously like done reactions to this, but for a large part it was the same against Palace. After the half time, Chelsea came out. They yeah. mixed things up slightly. And it's like, hold on, the goal, and then they these guys, playing. these guys aren't yeah. good. We can play through them. And then Chelsea didn't really do it again until like the 80th minute against Crystal Palace. Sort of similar-ish against Liverpool. Like in that extra time period, Chelsea were terrible for the first 10 minutes, and then did actually sort of control the last five and go on top of them. It was like, hold on, we are better than these kids. 
we we should be able to assert ourselves and did. And then, I mean, it didn't happen after halftime and extra time, but we, we don't speak about that. So it is, it is, uh, is it a confidence problem? Is it a mentality problem? Whatever it is, it's a massive problem and it's not being solved. And it doesn't look like there are anything, anything is being changed to try and solve it either. It just seems that games happen to Chelsea. Moments keep happening to Chelsea. They are involved in them, but they don't have any control over what that is particularly. And moments of chaos tend to suit Chelsea, but when the tide is going against them, that they can't stop it from happening and they don't have a reaction or a response to it. And that's pretty damning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, full Thomas goes, it's two all. I mean, Chelsea now kept just one clean sheet in their last nine Premier League games. And yeah, Maurizio Pochettino, who turns 52, turned 52 today, is yet to win a Premier League match on his birthday, drawn two. Lost to now. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was, it's just frustrating and kind of not really surprising, which is probably why Tom and I are probably angry. It's probably just acceptance and it's, is we, we know it's not good, but it's also not surprising because we've seen this basically for a season. You know, it, there's, as we've mentioned in the stats there of, of comparing first and second halves in the league table, yeah, no, it's, it was truly, truly poor. And also the fact we've not really talked about individuals kind of says a lot. The fact that really no one really impressed for Chelsea. No one really stood out. Look, Enzo Fernandez was quite good in the first half. The second half, he was anonymous, gets subbed off 70 minutes. Basically not impactful mm-hmm. at all. Oh, he was Caicedo, poor. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Caicedo yeah, puts in probably another fairly solid shift. But obviously the, 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 the doubters will obviously then cling on to his part potentially we, in, the, in that first goal we concede. Um, and then, yeah, no, it was just... It was just really, really, really poor. And Tom, I guess we go on to listener questions to kind of further this conversation because I feel that's the next logical step. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll, draw, we'll combine these together. Tonark asks Jose in. Um, I did, Tonark, firstly, what I, what I would say is, and I'm to, to the listeners, to the listeners, I'm kind of a bit disappointed in you so far. And I will be disappointed if by the end of the season, I've not had a question asking about, would you take Thomas Tuchel back next season? <laughs> even though he's leaving by Munich, I will be slightly disappointed, even if I do not get questions about But then we will link in RJ's question. Eight points from six spot. Does this result draw the line on those aspirations this season? If so, do you think the club will react sooner rather than later? Ari Manjo review. And then I will throw in Luca's question. A pretty shameful performance considering how poor Brentford have been recently. How thin is the patience wearing amongst you guys now? Are any of you starting to advocate for a mid-season change? Because signs of improvement are minimal. Now, Tom, as RJ points out, we are eight points from sixth place in the Premier League. It's not been an ideal weekend of results for us. West Ham won at uh, West Ham won at Everton. Newcastle beat Wolves. Um, so, yeah, we are eight points or six and six points of seventh will be with a game in hand, four points of Newcastle in eighth with a game in hand. Tom, there is a lot to kind of unpack there, and there's a lot, but we'll combine them in it. So 
do you think the club will react sooner rather than later? Are the managerial review? Uh, do you, would Joe, as for Connor Jose, would you take Jose as an interim? And uh, as for Luca, how thin is your patience wearing? And are you, you know, starting to advocate for a mid-season change because signs have been proven them in all? Just I'll let you, I'll let you take that there. I mean, the question is basically Maurizio Pochettino question mark, isn't it? You know, it's where where do you stand on him? I am never and have not and will not be. I do not like turning on a manager. I don't particularly like the fuck off Maurizio chants uh, that happened today. Also, um, also, building Sterling onto the pitch when you need him to try and help solve a situation when you're two one down. Like, what is that about? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to advocate for those. I can understand why the fans are annoyed, right? Um, and yeah. I think the. I just don't know what they think it's going to. I don't think advocating for like you know fuck off Bowley is any better either. But I think the attention is more understandably being focused on 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 the hierarchy of the club rather than potentially the manager and the players. Um, Chelsea are not out of sixth is 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 probably too far. It doesn't. It, it's not ridiculous to say that one of the teams between eleventh and and seventh finishes sixth. I mean, you'd, you'd expect West Ham to to drop down. I mean, Brighton lost big today to Fulham. Newcastle are hit and miss. These teams, Chelsea are within that pack, and it is. It only takes like a, a half decent run of form to. So Tom, to put these games. You together. mentioned it only takes a half decent run of form. Now the guys have also been questioning to make time for a change. Now, if let me just read you Chelsea's next fixtures: Newcastle on the Monday evening. That's obviously probably make or break. Probably in terms of you'd imagine one one of those make or break fixtures for getting Europe, considering where they where they are on the table. After that, obviously, there's, there's Leicester, then the international break, then there's Burnley at home, Manchester United at home, Sheffield United away, Everton at home. I mean, Tom, those are pretty kind fixtures uh, for and, Chelsea. And, and if, if, potentially for an interim to come in. Yeah, this so... is it. This is, this is the case, isn't it? You read it both ways, right? You could say, on one hand, look, the FA Cup is really Chelsea's season. We give Mauricio Pochettino until the FA Cup. You know, let, let's say you take a draw away from Newcastle. You give Pochettino the FA Cup. You win the FA Cup. You keep going. You've then got an international break to get yourself through it. And then a kind period of fixtures afterwards. Chelsea are more than capable of going through that run of games and picking up two wins and a draw or three wins and a draw or something like that. Because we've just seen it. We've just seen Chelsea do that. It's not impossible. That happens. But for Chelsea to show the consistency... To get to sixth, I think that's too much. I don't think it's too much that Chelsea get to around seventh and eighth, plus what is going to be a minimum of a cup quarterfinal, potentially a semi-final. I don't think there is enough for Chelsea to lose this year to make a managerial mid-season sacking worthwhile. And people fundamentally disagree with me. I know that. I know that there are lots of people in the Chelsea social that I speak to on a daily basis that just think that a new manager would do it and Jose Mourinho would do it and he wouldn't have lost that cup final and he's been the perfect man to get Chelsea up to, I don't know where people want to finish, seventh. Is it worth sacking Pochettino mid-season to potentially move up three or four places that he might be able to get the team up to anyway? I, I don't think I'm going to be convinced that that's worth it. I think Chelsea are just as likely to get to the FA Cup semi-final and finish seventh with Pochettino as they are with any other manager. And 
please correct me if you think differently. I think it's always better to just do it with one manager. Just get through it. Just prove that you can get through a season that is... Sorry, but it's better than last year. It is. I'm not, I won't have it any other way. I, I saw a lot of debate this week over it was never this bad under Potter. And I said, you've forgotten what it was like under Potter because it was. It was worse than this. It was considerably worse than this. It was quite, It was constant. It was, quite, it was like it was consistently like underwhelming and frustrating. There was like a consistency to the level of performances. But and, they were like and maybe some of those in during those consistency performances, some of those performances were better than what we've seen under Potch. But also they they never got as high as the performances did under yeah. Potch, and also and, we just couldn't score goals. I know, and uh, people say, "Oh, we were unlucky. We we just missed a lot of big chances." And I'm like, "Have you watched Chelsea under Pochettino? We do a lot of that as well." Um, like that that is my stance, and so I don't think. I mean, lose lose to Newcastle and lose to Leicester, and the international break he goes. I think that like that would just happen because I don't think you can get through a cup final defeat, a scrapey. I don't think you can get through this next couple of weeks if you don't at least beat Newcastle. That Leicester game is huge. On one hand, if you lose to Leicester and there's nothing really to gain other than a couple of places in the league, is it worth sacking a manager anyway? I, I Again, I'm, I I'm think probably no. I, and I don't think the Chelsea hierarchy will be too keen to sack a manager mid-season again, again. <laughs> Um, there is almost no doubt in my mind that he leaves at the end of the season regardless and he isn't the Chelsea manager come the start of next season I don't think putting another person in between now and the start of next season helps the club in any way, shape or form I I really don't and the only manager that will appease the fans in this scenario is Jose Mourinho and do you know how ridiculous that is? If Chelsea sack Pochettino, there is nobody else that is going to make the fans okay with this situation because they aren't going to get their first choice for next year, whoever that may be. They aren't going to get them. And if it's not Mourinho, what is the point of making this sacking? I don't think you'll be able to convince me that Mourinho is going to be the difference between Chelsea getting to a semi-final, winning a cup and finishing sixth in the league. I I, I do not buy that. I really don't. Can also, Tom, can we also point out that Jose Mourinho's league finishes post-winning the Premier League title with Chelsea aren't exactly the most impressive either. There's one... I mean, I know it's not it's not unfair to explain now, but there's one top four finish in there in all those years at Man United, Spurs and Roma and probably like a, a probably an average or highest place of about sixth. Like, like it's, it's not exactly, and- you know... <sighs> But the, the the allure for Mourinho isn't, you know, is actually would be based on cup and knockout football, based on what we saw around It's not even based on league position because look, because they sacked him for the league position and they're actually doing quite well now with an interim in Daniel De, Daniela De Rossi. But the, yeah, this is kind of the point. The whole Mourinho so thing, when, when, it, people, when people talk about it, like the league, the league argument, I don't even buy because he doesn't improve teams in the in the league. He's basically been a cup a cup coach <laughs> since leaving Chelsea. And Bar nobody has where he got second because Conte for his to- toys, toys well, out of a pram. Klopp's Liverpool were still kind of <laughs> developing and were going to a Champions League final, etc. Like fair and, play, it was a good achievement getting Man United to second. But yeah. like, so like he's not he's got one top four finish or one really good league achievement since winning the league with Chelsea. Like it's not he's not his resume in the last decade doesn't even indicate success in the league. It's cups and there's no ever. 
evidence in his entire career of being able to come into a club mid-season and make a big impact. Thomas Tuchel has now done that at Chelsea, right? And even then he struggled to do it at Bayern Munich. Mourinho came in at Tottenham and did he scrape the Europa League with them? Or was it the Conference League? I don't even know yeah, what it was. No, he scraped, he, he, did scraped, that. he scraped the Europa League on the last day, yeah. He did that and celebrated big time, but he had Kane and Son on his hands. So that, that's not that impressive. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think when he took there, over, they what, were probably what can... 15th or 14th. But to be fair, there was still a lot of time in the season left. Like, the league the, table that season was a bit weird, but yeah. Do you know, uh, like, I just, I don't yeah. think Jose Mourinho is, is the difference between what Chelsea do. Yeah, okay, the wins under him would be amazing. Like, there is no doubt that the wins under him would be amazing. The fans would be able to cheer for him. It would be awesome. But then what? Do you, can you really tell me that you think Jose Mourinho is is the next, is what Chelsea need to, to go into next season? No, I will not. I will not be convinced of this. And so, so, if that is, if he is not the man the next season, then there is quite literally zero reason to bring him in mid-season now. That's my take on the point, and I hope that answers the questions about like with with, with Pochettino. I don't. I don't think that. I think Pochettino would have to would have to lose the Newcastle and have to, would have to lose the Leicester to get sacked. Um, and I am, to be honest, just as confident that Chelsea might win those two games as they might lose them because that's Chelsea. Because we've seen all year, half on half, game by game, you can't predict what Chelsea are going to do. They tend to react pretty well to adversity until they don't, and they they could come out and prove something. Um, I I. Have defended him quite a lot because um, I think a lot of the criticism he's got in general has been quite harsh. But he, he is making it hard for, for, for that defense. Put it that way. I think I tweeted out like there's only so many like so much mitigation you can use against a manager before you do start to lose patience. And if you haven't watched it, I go and watch Dan Charles's video on basically. Right now, he would be very indifferent on if Pochettino leaves or not. And I'm a, I'm approaching that period. I, I I don't agree that it would be right to do it currently um, or between now and the end of the season. But I also agree now that it's like trying to defend the indefensible. He, he's, he's, the excuses are sort of running dry. They're getting quite boring, especially when... He is being shown up on a weekly basis by Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, who fielded a midfield with Joe Gomez and Bobby Clark today. And Pochettino comes off the pitch and says, we have no midfielders. Meanwhile, you've got Cassidy on the bench. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's another midfielder. You've got Jimmy Terrier. Who you recalled from a, from a lesser team who was starting to break into. Like... Like, I, I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's the sporting directors. Andre Santos has no place. Like... I don't, again, Trevor Chalaber can, can play in midfield. Appreciate it. It's not optimal. Yeah. Chelsea have an academy of midfielders. They have a stockpile of, of midfielders. They have players. You just have to be brave enough to use them. And right now, Pochettino isn't. And that is where the frustration comes. Because this isn't a couple awesome. of months into the you season. Mentioned, you mentioned Liverpool point. This is Klopp who's going for a Premier League title. There is more on Klopp. Like, I know, granted, he's like he's leaving at the end of the season. So maybe it's just like a, you know whatever that's literally all it can do but literally like their, their, their season's got more riding on it than we than ours does and they're like, like they're taking more risks and making more brave decisions than we are 
this is it. And like, I know that everything that Klopp is doing now is coming because of what he did before, right? Because of what he has put in place over time, that empowerment. But you have to be, Pochettino's big thing at Tottenham, and he speaks about it when he's at his best, is when he talks about bravery. Right now, he's not being brave. He is, as you say, he's playing the sort of defence-first football. He's playing the passive football. He's being reactive. That is not Pochettino is best. He's now fighting. It's survival football. It's like Potter did. He's firefighting. He's firefighting and he can't do it. And you just want a manager to be themselves. So that doesn't come, it doesn't uh, look good on the hierarchy at the club. But it also doesn't look good on the manager. It leaves the manager very little to fall back on and say, oh yeah, but I'm doing this. I'm doing this with this player. Because you're not, ultimately. He's not. There would be more leeway if he was bringing on Jimmy Terranian, Samuel Raksaki, um, Leo Castledine, Ronnie Stutter, but he's not. He made two subs today. That's not acceptable. That's not good enough. And that is why I am sympathetic with the fan frustration, but I still don't think it's, it would be right to sack him. Yeah. So <laughs> what do, what I'll, do you I'll think? answer this. What do you I'll think? Like, I want to hear you. You've listened to people babble say, on about it. As, yeah, no, as I says, eight points from six, but does this result draw the line of those aspirations this season? Yes, Chelsea are not getting top six. We're not getting top six, but I, I was kind of over Chelsea getting top six a while ago. My main thing was, if can you get seven? Because if Champions League gets five, then you, Europa League will drop down another one, you get, get two. So seven could still be enough to qualify. I guess the question is, and this is a problem, because, like, this is, getting an interim now, Last season made no like last season, and it's uh, this isn't like revisionist to say like Chelsea's season like sacking Potter when they did was kind of pointless because like the season was already dead like he was a dead man walking, so I kind of get why they did it. But Chelsea were still in the Champions League anyway. If you really, if you truly believe that you can, this squad should be getting like top six or higher, then yeah, fair enough, I get it. But this squad is talented but it's inconsistent and I'm not convinced an interim gets a huge, a huge uptick in results. I will be honest. I'm not convinced it does. Agreed. And also people like we saw how many of us naively thought when Frank came in his interim last season, Oh, it'll be, things will be different. Things will be fun. We don't even, we weren't even talking about necessarily results being results being amazing, but we talked about Chelsea will be fun to watch, that he will be brave. They'll be attacking. Wasn't like, it wasn't, it was awful. And I'm not just saying just because of that, be wary of getting an interim. And I know like you get a lot of people that, that, that reply to that and go, yeah, but Lap, you can't compare Lampard's coaching to Mourinho. No, that's fine. But given, but given the turnaround he would have, potentially a maximum of maybe two weeks over an international break, what do you actually expect him to get from this? Do you, do you think that he is going to all of a sudden make Mudrick this incredible player? Is he going to drill a team that can't stay in shape like he has, like it has? to do something that Pochettino can't coach this this quickly? Yeah. Potentially over a pre-season, maybe. Yeah, sure. But in this quickly, I just do not see it. Also, Tom, I also think it's just basically, essentially, again, without trying to be too damn, I also think it's just people overrating, overrating Jose Mourinho's ability in the modern game. And look, maybe, I prefer hand, to speak. maybe we are also just a bit wrong on Mauricio Pochettino. Maybe we also potentially rate him higher than than we should do. Maybe people will say, you know, football has changed a lot since his Spurs team. Like football has evolved a lot, and he's not, and his way of coaching is necessarily not 
not the way forward. But no, as Can of I the interim, something there. Sorry, yeah. I I was speaking to Rob Prattley. So if you're listening, Rob, hello. I'm not trying to dig you out. Um, and at half time, he said, "The more I think about it, the more." No, sorry, this was when it went two one up. He said, "The more I think about it, the more I think Pochettino wasn't elite at Tottenham. He just relied on Kane and Son." I think that is quite retrospectively harsh on Pochettino. But if you thought Maurizio Pochettino was going to come in and be tactically Julian Nagelsmann or whatever nice tactical coach you like, you have completely misunderstood what Maurizio Pochettino is. His He has never been this incredible tactical coach. He's been decent. He got the 4-2-3-1, the 4-3-3 and the 3-4-3 at Tottenham and he got them to do it very well. What he does is he makes he gets his players on side. He makes them run. He puts energy into them and he tends to give like empower them to make these decisions. And and he, and he builds a foundation. I am disappointed in the Maurizio Pochettino we've seen at Chelsea because I thought there would be more bravery. I thought he would basically be a little bit closer to Ange Postacoglu than he has been. Um, And I thought he would be braver with the youth than he has been. And it's really disappointing to see yet another manager fall the way he has. Um, and I, just, I also thought this team would, you know, I didn't necessarily think we'd be hearing tiredness or fatigue as an excuse from a, from a, you know, with a Maurizio Pochettino team. No, neither did I. And and it's that that's what's really disappointing me. So maybe questions do have to be asked about Maurizio Pochettino's place in in the elite of European football. Absolutely. He, he, he will struggle to get a big, big, big job like this again, depending on how big, big, big you think Chelsea finishing 12th was. Um, but I don't want that to take away from the fact that I, I also think it's been a really, really hard job for him and that Chelsea are still not in a position whereby managers are set up to succeed properly at the club. Yes, and, I agree. And, and, that's, and I that, re- that will remain the case yeah. for an interim and, I, and for whoever comes and I will in. Just, yeah. And I will reiterate what I've said before that I think Graham Potter is a good coach and I think Mauricio Pochettino is a good coach and I think that Chelsea Football Club is not set up set up right now for a head coach to succeed I think it is set up for a head coach to fail more or less than their predecessor and by that people will just judge because no one can it's and it's why I, kind of, I guess comes kind of point down to the interim what I'm just kind of indifferent about it because if you do it then you just you know end this project now but then it's just kind of like Okay, now then it's basically just about trying to get Europe and just basically, if you get the interim now, it's basically just like, you're probably still not winning the FA Cup, just given who's left. And it's basically just going, can you get in Europe to help boost Chelsea's financial situation? That's what it is, right? That's kind of all it is. Can you you get into Europe to boost Chelsea's financial situation? That's all it is. It's not actually anything probably more, more than that. So, look, no, RJ, like I said, six, six, six is gone. I still think that, like, realistically, unless, as said, Tom goes, unless we crash out the cup to Leicester, I still think he's basically here while the FA Cup dream is still an option. Um, as to Luca, is my patience wearing thin? Yes, it is. I am becoming less confident that Mauricio Pochettino is the man to lead Chelsea forward just because of just what I've seen. Like, this last week has been not a good week for Mauricio Pochettino when you kind of compare, and people, there's some people on love this, but you compare what Klopp has done in a similarish situation in terms of squad and squad management and injuries, etc. Like, yeah, uh, it's... I think we would still be having this conversation if Chelsea had won today as well, which is a damning thing. I don't... 
I, I didn't hear what you said the other day after Leeds. There was a lot of negativity after Chelsea scored the winner the other day. And I was yeah. a bit Listen, like, I think, and I yeah. said, can, can we hold off on this? We've just won. We're through to a quarterfinal. Yeah. It's been a tough week. Yeah. I, I wasn't a massive yeah. fan of the negativity. However, today, when we equalised, I said, just win. That's the least you can do. We will deal with this in the aftermath anyway. You know, it, it's yeah. like make the make the best of a bad situation because people are going down after this game. No matter what the result is, you may as well try and win the game just to make things better. And that is the stage you've got to. And when it gets to that stage, that's pretty bad. Yeah, no. So I think my kind of just mood for Leeds was just like relief. And like Leeds, you could actually, you know, Leeds, Leeds midweek, we could praise some of the players for their performances, like Madrid, etc. We could praise like moments in the game. And st- but still obviously be very worried about what we'd seen and say, you know, it still didn't really instill any confidence, but it was relief and give them a bit of leeway given the emotional hangover from losing a cup final, etc. But yeah, again, today's one. And look, yeah, because I look, signs of improvement are minimal. As Tom said, I think that look, it's, this season is better than last season, like regardless of what people say. And if you don't and you like don't want to view it that way, then fine. But I think you're just lying to yourself and trying to, you know, prove a point or, yeah, or you know, a, a point you don't need to prove. Like it's not hard to be better than last season, right? It's not uh, a great I... achievement to be better than last season. Like Chelsea are better than last season. Chelsea in the whole um have been more enjoyable to watch than last season. It's kind of a bare minimum though. Like no, it's not even the bare minimum. That's just like, yeah, that just should have been what's happening. And yeah, yeah. I think realistically we are getting to a point where I think it's probably at the end of the season, depending on how it goes, you probably do part way just because I just don't see it necessarily working out and I think, I think that is fine to do that and then, I think but that I doesn't said... mean I'm confident for the next person coming in but I just do not think Mauricio Pochettino is showing you know enough to see that he can actually be that guy because Tom and I point out some of this is quite self-inflicted you know moaning about tiredness like you've literally played Enzo Fernandez three straight games in a week you've had options there you played Moises Casido three straight games. You've had options in the week. What, what, like Malo Gusto has played three straight games in the week. Like, all of these players have had like these, like, you know, you, you have a squad. You use two subs today, etc. Like, there are frustrating things. Same trends happening. Chelsea being poor in second halves, being poor at the start of the second half, etc. Conceding these same type of goals. As I said, like, we, you know, we didn't concede it. We didn't concede a set piece today, but set piece issues have been an issue for Chelsea this season. There's not been improvement. So, yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean I think, you know, my patience is where I think I don't necessarily want him gone now, but I'm not advocating for him to stay or, you know, beyond into next season. I'm not fighting in, I'm not anywhere near as in his corner as I would have been earlier on in the season when we'd have been having a conversation like this, Tom. So, yeah, yeah I, that's I, I think Joe, that was... as for Jose Mourinho win, also on a side point, it's just not worth it for me because I just like to remember Jose Mourinho for those two stints. Like the fallout of Jose fifteen sixteen is already quite bad and is unfortunately already something. But when people talk about Jose Mourinho, that still does take up quite a significant part. So I would hate to talk about Jose Mourinho taking in an interest spell and say the um, the unthinkable happens and losing going out the FA Cup to the Championship side Leicester or something. You know, winning barely any games, playing really negative football, and just being a sign of how far he has fallen from from modern football. I'm not saying that would happen. That is also a possibility that could happen is- because. Because none it, of us thought Frank would be as bad as it was last season, and it was. So I just rather, you know, as for that, go have a good times. And I said, I don't think, you know, the interim solution for me, I get why people want would want it, but for me, it's not worth a hit. It's not like when you sack Frank in, you know, when you do in twenty twenty one, and granted, that's not an interim, that's you know, getting too cool on and permanent. But that's because you think you can still achieve something, and that squad clearly should be doing better than it is. 
this and point, like, yeah, it probably should be doing better than it is, but not to the like level of degree that it's worth that you're going to get significant improvement now, and it's worth making that change. And it's like you look at look Bayern Munich last year, where they sacked Nagelsmann because Tuchel was available, and they were like, we have to go for him now because otherwise somebody else will. Nobody out there is available for Chelsea to make this permanent yeah. appointment that they that they see as being and big. Also, Tom, so just, but, like, I reckon just, if, if yeah, I'm sorry, I'll let you continue. Also, I reckon if Bayern Munich could go back in time and redo that decision, I reckon they I reckon they wouldn't take it. I reckon they keep they desist with it because they like see that you know under Tuchel actually they've got worse. So like they're going to lose a Bundesliga this season. Fair play. That's probably also more on Javi Alonso's by Leverkusen being amazing. But they limped, they got a big favour in Dortmund bottling on the final day last season. Went out of the Champions League at the first opportunity when he took over. Went out of the cup on the first opportunity he took over. So like all in all, what has it really earned them? Like one Bundesliga okay. title that they probably would have won anyway. So are you telling me now as well though that if Chelsea fans look back, do you think there will be Chelsea fans that go retrospectively we shouldn't have sacked Graham Potter? Because I'm seeing I'm seeing that come up now from Chelsea fans. If you told a Chelsea fan that at the time. There was no, there was no yeah. getting away from having this conversation. Basically, twelve months ago, was he has to go? He just has to go. He, it's not good enough. He has to go. And I think, Tom, I think the fact that we're back in, we're back in, the, we're back in the same yeah. spot again, where there is absolutely no guarantee that a new manager, no matter who it is, comes in and and makes things better. But people are convincing themselves, just as they did last year. And I was probably fell into that eventually under Lampard that things just would get better because they couldn't get worse. Well, actually, things are better this year and they absolutely can get worse. Yeah. As I said, there is no listen Al Gaib people. There's no Al Gaib <laughs> out there. That's there right now. He's not out there. It's you. It's you. No, it's you. We need to appoint you because that's what the listen Al Gaib say. <laughs> oh, dear. I think um, we need Stilgar. Get him in. Get it, motivate yeah. the players. <laughs> he'd be, he'd be the ultimate, the ultimate hype man. Exactly. Get him, get him on the coaching staff. Get him on Poch's coaching staff. He'd be in awe. He would, he would build Mercado Madrid up so much. Every little thing he'd do, he'd be like, "Wow, wow, what a player, what a player." Sorry, it, it, I'm, too, I'm quite impressed, people. It's probably taken us about an hour or so. We've actually finally got a, a little June, a June part two. Right <sighs> there. Um, anyway, Travis continues. Poch in 2024 is a B rate Bielsa. Prove me wrong. I mean, I think that's harsh. I think I it's harsh, harsh. Deliberate, deliberately harsh, but I, I, I can sort of see where he's coming from. Although, yeah. I guess you could say that Bielsa's team played with potentially more potentially more of a plan, which is maybe a little bit harsh as well, but this Potts Chelsea team just runs a little bit, uh, doesn't really have the sort of on-ball tenacity of Leeds. But, I'm, yeah, that, that that's baiting, but fair enough. Yeah, I get it. I get why. And to be fair, I don't think Travis has ever really been big on the Pochettino appointment but yeah no. so i said yeah hopefully we've done that a lot just to, just just to summarize people this the ship is going down probably maybe we get a cup out of it maybe we sneak a form of european qualification whatever happens i don't think it's time to make a change now and i think you just kind of ride with it till the end of the season and then reassess there which is kind of what we've been saying on this podcast all along reassess at the end of the season so yeah hopefully we answered that uh next question comes in from dan hill Given the rumours of a potential set piece specialist being hired, is that enough to fix our defensive woes? What would take? What would it take for us to become a good defensive outfit again? As it really seems to be costing us valuable points. I mean, yeah, Tom, defensively, like because I think the set piece being like we struggle, we don't score many goals from set pieces. But Tom, boy, oh boy, are we bad defensively from set pieces as well? Um, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, what? I mean, the first Leeds goal admittedly comes from playing out from the back, but the second one's from a deep cross, which isn't dealt with between Chalaber and Dezassi. We saw the same sort of thing this afternoon. And the first... No, it's the first goal. Where's the second goal? It comes from, it comes from another cross. It, 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 it's pretty weak. I don't know if it's the makeup of the back line, people not being sure whether it's a different goalkeeper. It's just not particularly good. I mean... Cole Will's a good header of the ball, so is Dezassi. I mean, so is Trevor Chalaber. It's it, it's really, really quite remarkable. I mean, the setup of the Liverpool one is is more unforgivable. The fact that you've got a position that Didier Drogba used to take, manned by Mikhailo Matric, um, is pretty embarrassing for, for, for that goal. For the disallowed goal on Van Dijk, and then bloody Mudrick for like what is that? But, and it was and it was Dezassi that was actually following him from sort of the back post run as well, which is even more remarkable. Um, so just a complete, complete, complete switch. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess ultimately if you have specialists in these fields doing their jobs and they are good, then then it's a it's a good idea. Like we've I mean, seen Nicholas Yeover I mean... at Arsenal oh, and we've seen the throw-in specialist at Liverpool. I think having these guys in place, it will get mocked. It will get widely mocked for why are we trying to be Brentford? Why are we trying to do this? Uh, I think when it, on this occasion, these are gains to be a bit Sir Dave Brailsford. These are marginal gains that you can make if you do get the right people in place. The question is, as it is currently for Chelsea, will they get the right people in place? But it can't hurt. I don't think it solves the defensive frailties as a whole, but I think it can't hurt. Yeah, Tom, what would it take to answer that question? Because, I mean, I honestly don't know. Virgil van Dijk, I don't know how you Brian can... John Terry. <laughs> yeah. Like, experience, is it just simply put, but hopefully this team is a young team and it will just hopefully grow together and learn that, like, because I don't really know how to, you know, what I can say for just like Axel Dazazi's defense this week. Like he was immense against City, and we'd like rightfully praise him. Yeah, but I can't, you know, I don't really know how to just say we improved defensively when I literally look at Leeds and I look at Dazazi today, both goals, and it's literally him. Like I know people can say like you know individual errors at a point comes down to coaching, but like no, like that is genuinely like on the player like, for just being a bozo in that moment. Like and and like it, it's not particularly structural, I guess. Like it, it, it's not like Leeds were Leeds or Brentford were cutting through in one specific way that Potts just didn't stop. I mean, they're deep crosses. I mean, I do think Tom. I do think we structurally we were a them. mess against Leeds. I do think structurally we were a mess against Leeds. But I, yeah, I do get your point. I I do agree, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is is the answer to it? Like, it's really really tough, right? Because it's one of those things in football. You you. you when you concede, you always go, oh, that's a terrible goal to concede. Well, every goal is a terrible goal to concede, isn't it? And like, I'm sure Brentford are looking at the two Chelsea goals. I swear, like they're, they're probably looking at the first one going, that's a terrible goal. Jackson's got in between the two centre-backs. Gusto's been allowed to cross from wide. If Chelsea conceded that goal, the comments would be, from Chelsea perspective, that's a terrible goal to concede. Every goal is terrible to concede. But Chelsea... The narrative between the first sort of half of the season, this is slightly going away from Dan's question, was that Chelsea were playing pretty well, but not winning games. That has now not been the case for, what, since the end of November, since that Newcastle game, really? 
Chelsea have been a little bit Mourinho 14-15, and that's being very generous, right? Because we're not winning any games. But that sort of drop-off, the wins have been a bit scratchy. The losses have been poor. It's been sort of like that. Um, so you can't even particularly fall back on going, oh, well, actually, we're actually playing pretty well. We're just conceding poor goals and we're pretty, you know, we're not great in each box. And that sort of, that you can put down to experience and quality in youth. Whereas right now you're just like, everything is just a little bit of a mess. It just doesn't look good. Sorry, Dan, I can't answer your question. Um, I think a set-piece coach would, would be useful, but I don't think it solves those problems. I, a big leader at the heart of that defence that can actually run and is younger than 39 would be would be a big help. And I don't think Dezassi is that. Dezassi is a makeshift Trevor Chalaber replacement. Uh, I think if Trevor Chalaber didn't get injured in pre-season, Chelsea probably don't sign Axel Dezassi. Then again, the issue is that Chelsea then don't sign the player that has played more minutes than anybody else for them this season and is their oldest defender not named Thiago Silva. Pick holes in the squad building. Um, Pochettino is not, not innocent in this, but I don't think the squad building is amazing uh, in the centre-back area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question comes in from Vic. Which players do you think are just not good enough and won't be regardless of manager? Desazi, me thinks. Now, Tom, I think I, I think I had a similar conversation with Daniel. I actually think I actually quite do quite like a lot of these players, and I do mm. actually think these are good players. I think the issue is is that they're just all young and all playing together. Yeah, like, I, I went through a list earlier. To, yeah, to uh, you've make got... a point I have made so many times on this podcast. I just compare this team to Chelsea in nineteen twenty. You don't even have to go back that far, which had young players in. Like your Mounts, your Reese Jameses, your Tamoris, your Callum Hudson Adoys, your Tammy Abrahams, but also had experience to help and take some of the pressure off and take them out of the cooker. Because let Tom, I mean, I'd do a comparison. This current version of Cole Palmer is better than the version we had of Mason Mount in 1920. This is probably as good or better than the version we had of Pulisic in 1920, maybe. Maybe. Pulisic, I mean, certainly prior Pretty to lockdown. lockdown. <laughs> yeah. I would argue that Nicholas Jackson didn't, is didn't think lockdown not... Pulisic would get a mention yeah. on this podcast. Here we are. Nicholas Jackson probably isn't that far off Tammy Abraham, 1920. Probably fairly very, similar. Very comparable. I would argue Malo, Malo Gusto is streets clear of 1920 Reese James. So you've got some good players there. The issue is, is that they're also surrounded by other young, inexperienced players who just don't have that. You can't just help them necessarily through games. They're all trying to sort of help each other through games. Did we still have William? We still had William that season and Pedro. Were they both there? William, we have Pedro. Both there. Aspilicueta, Marcus Alonso, Giroud. The centre-backs were a little bit... Yeah, the centre... Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, B midfield. Yeah, like, I completely agree. Defensively, you had Rudiger. Christensen probably was actually quite experienced considering... I think partially, though, it is tough, right? Because at the end of last season, who would you have kept? I wouldn't have wanted to... Maybe Mason Mount, right? But the situation had long gone. It's not like you could go, oh, well, I really wanted to keep Koulibaly. I really wanted to keep... Tom, um, this then goes back to a wider point of squad building, right? Oh, yeah, it does. Which is a lot yeah. of people's main gripe with the... And also the transfer strategy of Chelsea into some basic going, going the old Leonardo DiCaprio approach. Sorry, you're too old for me. Like, Yeah, like James done. Madison. It's James Madison's yeah. the one I look at, right? And you look at someone like him and just the sort of quality he produces and the fact that he has been added and all of these Tottenham young players have been added to 
a, a core group that were that were there, they were decent. Like you look at, I'll use the Tottenham comparison, right? You've got Christian Romero. Now he's not old, but he had played what two years at Tottenham before that. You know, you've got yeah. Kulisewski a year and a half in the Premier League at least. Um, but Bissouma had played a couple of years at Brighton and then gone to Tottenham. Yeah, he wasn't good at Tottenham, but he's like 26 or 27 years old. He is older. He is more experienced. Chelsea just didn't have those players. They basically have Chilwell and Sterling over the age of 23 and younger than Thiago Silva. That's it. There's no one in that middle gap. And you can't just go, okay, well, when they all hit their peak, they'll hit their peak together and it will be fine because it it won't necessarily be fine. But because I agree with you, you look at the, I don't know, hits, right? Petrovic looks like a good signing. Gusto looks excellent. I like Badia Shiel. He's not come back from injury particularly well, right? Decent decent enough signing for now. Caicedo and Fernandez. Fernandez is getting annoying, but they're good players. Just forget the price tag. I know you can't forget the price tag, but they are good players. Jackson looks like a good player. Cole Palmer is a good player. Madueke and Mudrick are the sort of outliers. Madueke, because he's cheaper, you can sort of get away with his raw. Mudrick, wow. I think he will do well for any coach to get much out of him consistently. He's got the raw elements. So actually, it is tough. I, I know this is what you said, right? But to answer Vic's question, the players you actually think you might get rid of from this Chelsea squad, Mark Kukureya, get rid of him. If, if you do think... If Sterling, you do, maybe if a good offer comes in. I mean, Rob Sanchez. <laughs> I know I defended yeah, Rob your Sanchez. Voice, your I voice. defended Rob Sanchez. I'm being, this. This is probably my biggest, the probably biggest mistake I ever made was trying to defend Rob Sanchez. Um, yeah, it's just really, really tough to see. Like these, are, like Dzasi's an okay player. He's okay, but he's the sort of player that Chelsea should have had in the first Zuma place. Zuma vibes. Yeah. Big, yeah, a little bit. More expensive, a, more, a more expensive Kurt Zuma. But it would be really, really sad, and it, it, this is going to happen. Well, if Chelsea end up Kurt Zuma post serious injury, because <laughs> Kurt Zuma prior to serious injury. Yeah. 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 Sorry, nostalgic. <laughs> no, anyway. no, no. Now I'm just thinking of the Ajax run. Um, another thing I didn't think yeah. would, make, would, would make the podcast. Um, like, like. Dezassi is the sort of player that you should never be losing Trevor Chalaber because you've got Dezassi. That is not good business. But it's the sort of business Chelsea are going to make more and more. That's the worrying thing. Like, Chelsea are going to have to find a replacement for Armando Breuer. Which, yeah, okay, output-wise shouldn't be hard. But if you get your squad building right, then Breuer is the sort of player that could have played the Nicholas Jackson role for this season. And the two of the possible standout players, three of them, in fact, four of them, in fact, Carney Chukwemeka I'm putting in there as well, have been injured. The Farner has the potential to be Chelsea's best centre-back by a mile, but he's hardly played. And God knows what Christopher Nkunku's going to be. Did you read Pochettino's comments the other day saying, basically, we don't know if we're going to get a good version of Nkunku back? That's really, really worrying. But you can't say that they're bad players. We just don't know. So Chelsea haven't just signed bad players. It's not about them being good enough or not. Right now, a lot of them aren't quite good enough. But they are sort of what Chelsea knew they were getting. Promise, potential in an entire squad. And it belongs where it is, mid-table. A lot of them 
if you chucked them somewhere else, I mean, how many of these players do you think, if you sent them to Arsenal in 12 months' time, they'd be going, oh, that's a good player. That's a good player. Yeah. A I lot mean, of I, them. I a lot got, of them. Uh, let's, I mean, let Tom, that example. I mean, look, Cole Palmer, that Arsenal attack is decent, but I reckon, yeah. But I give you an example. Cole Palmer, Malo Gusto, and yeah, we'll go with those two. Those two are probably the safe ones. Cole Palmer and Malo Gusto. They would go anywhere and they would be fine and they would not bring that level of that team down. Agreed. So this is kind of a point, right? These players frustrate us. They make stupid, stupid decisions at points. Of course they do. The issue is they're all playing together. They're all playing together and there's not we're not able to sort of like bail us out and bail they're not really able to bail themselves out. This is the thing. They're good. I think there's there's that we do actually have some good players here, but they're growing together, which is just a horrendous decision in terms of squad building if you actually wanted to achieve anything serious in these next few years, which the owners seemingly do want to do. Like so when things go wrong, because they do go wrong, who do they look to for the answer? There is no Aspilaqueta taking ownership. There is no Van Dyke telling them to get organized. There is none of that. There's none of there's no granite Xhaka, for God's sake. We don't even have someone to imitate free last year granite Xhaka. That's bad. That's really bad. I would do anything to have Olivier Giroud back in this squad. And not just because he's good, but because of who he is, because he's somebody different. Losing Antonio Rudio was probably the worst thing that happened in to Chelsea, to Chelsea since 2020. Like, genuinely. Lose, if Chelsea had kept Rudiger and maybe Christensen, I genuinely wonder if things might have been different. Or maybe I'm giving maybe I'm maybe I'm giving the owners too much credit because they might still have made a lot of mistakes outside of that. But you lose yeah, but if you don't lose Rudiger, then maybe you keep that character. Maybe you don't lose as many players around him. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe that's wrong. But No, I, I agree. I mean look, it's easy to chip mistakes were made prior to it, but I think the doubt and the downfall starts when Chelsea lose Rudiger and Christensen. And I think a lot of us kind of predicted that Chelsea would regress after losing those two. I just don't think we expected it to be like this. But yeah, no, as I said, I, sorry, Vic, to your question, I genuinely, like, in terms of players who are not good enough, like Mudrick maybe might not be good enough. Madueke maybe might not be good enough. For, he does give Crystal Palace vibes, um, but we will we will wait and see. But but it's those two. Dezazi, like, maybe, like, he's all right. But the thing is, he's like, he'd be a good squad player, right? Probably in the future, like if you based him on this season, you'd be like, oh, he's a decent squad player to have, but he's a starter yeah. and he costs 40 mil. That's yeah. kind of, I guess, the issue. I genuinely do think a lot of these players are like quite good enough. The issue is, is that they're all playing together. Like, is it individually they are good, but individually, it's like... a lot of these players are good. It's just as a team, like, there's going to be limitations of putting them all together. And it, Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo are the epitome of this. Since Fernandez came in, he has basically played 90 minutes every single week for every single team on earth. I swear I saw him kicking a ball down the park because that they needed him in, right? That's what he's like. Enzo Fernandez had the... Yes, it comes with the price tag, but everyone looks at him and goes, right, so he now needs to dominate and control every single game. And it's like, you put him in at Arsenal or any other team like that, and that just doesn't happen because they have the cover for him. They, they, can, they can put him in place straight away just hasn't happened it hasn't been able to happen Caicedo I feel so bad for the guy his PR is terrible by the way because he yeah he hasn't had an amazing week but he was good today but he won't, won't, won't get any coverage and Karen Carney will still say I've been really disappointed with Moises Caicedo right because that's what she says 
but like there's no cover for him there's no there's no there's no room for these players to breathe. So what happens when Lavia comes back and there's still no more cover? And when Uga Chukwu comes back and there's still nobody there to go, I will take the pressure off you guys for a bit. You can you can shout abuse at me. There's nobody there to take that, to take the shot, like Aspilaqueta would. There's no, there's no room for these players to breathe. Like, it's just constant under fire. Like, yeah, I said... Said, and the problem is, players like the good. They just like, is it? I just don't think they're set up necessarily succeed. And I said, go back to your point. Look how quickly Mount, Mason Mount, and Reese James developed, and look how probably quickly they, in comparison to probably how I know this is a lazy example, but to probably and to how quickly they will get to like that top elite level compared to some other players in this team. Because how frustrated were we? Also was so much better. How frustrated were we that James didn't play more? when Aspilicueta was playing quite a lot during that first season. A lot. There was a lot of, why is James not playing this game? Why is James not playing this game? But in hindsight, you needed that at that point. Because Tammy Abraham, he came out of that team quite often. Do you know what I mean? Like those two Tottenham games, like like Giroud played and scored some big goals. Who comes out of the... Chelsea can't lose Jackson. And if they do, they're putting up Cole Palmer up front instead. It's, these these are massive, 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 massive problems. And as I said, the the worst thing is that so many people saw this coming. There were so many like, okay, because you look at the reaction to our signings. I was thinking about this earlier. You look at the reaction to our signings on Twitter. Not a great benchmark, right? But it was disaster. Oh, that's a good signing. Oh, Baddy Shield, that's a good signing. In isolation, there's a lot of good pieces of business here. Up together, really, really tough. Exactly. And this is, I think you and I kind of, when we made our predictions at the start of the season, were basically just, that was us being really optimistic and going, this is like, they're seeing what they could achieve this season. Because like, I thought Pochettino would be able to bring them together and, yeah. and, and form that group. And I, I've been wrong. So this is why I'm also really, really worried about who the next Chelsea manager is. Because it won't be Pochettino. I don't know who, who's, who sorts this out. I don't have names. I have a favourite. Exactly. Based on what because I've heard, but like, nothing else. But there's to... no, there's nothing yeah. that without loads more transfers and an incoming of like some loads big money to spend on a big centre back, a big midfielder, and a big striker to take the pressure off those players. I don't know what manager solves this. Yeah, and Tom, one of the things we told him Pochettino was like, this is ideal, him working with young players. But like he has struggled with this. So again, yeah. like, when the outstanding candidate, probably for criteria wise, like can't do it. Yeah, no, exactly. The same. That's yeah, the biggest do... question. I, Genuinely think a lot of these, most of these players, like, can be good enough for Chelsea. The issue is, when are they going to be like they're going to just be ready and good enough for Chelsea? And good enough for people is going to have different meanings, different dance for helping Chelsea get to where we want to. But, but these players are also going to arrive at different times. But unfortunately, they're all in the same team together. So that's it. Yeah. I think that people have said, like, there's a lot of players that you go, well, th- this Chelsea player could realistically have played for an old Chelsea team, you know, like. The one of the good Chelsea teams, but they would have been second or third choice, and they would have got minutes here or there. They wouldn't have been chucked into the team every week. On your manager point, it was quite funny. I remember um, when Potter was struggling, people were like, "Chelsea need a tactically flexible manager that's really good with young players that's proven himself." And you're like, "They need Graham Potter, right? That, that, that that's what he is." And for this season, it's like we need a charismatic person that will build a bond, form a good squad. And it's like, ah, great. So then if Maurizio Pochettino, he, 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 he fitted the boxes. He ticked the boxes at the start of the season. You can't say he didn't. Um, 
which is why judging managers is so hard. And there's absolutely no guarantee that changing managers right now, especially is the right answer. Yeah, no, indeed. And yeah, hopefully we answer that question. And uh, then final question comes in from Dean Mears. Is Tom Stash or no Stash? Uh, he's no Stash. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm no Stash. I, I showed off the other day. I said I'd like my ability to grow facial hair is like pretty poor anyway. But yeah, I'm better without a stash. Better without like, facial hair, even if it makes me look a bit younger. Do you, do your uh, do videos go out with your podcast or is it all uh, all audio? No, it's all it's all it's all audio unless I appear on someone else's fan channel okay. and they can see. Okay, so yeah, the, the, no, this the, podcast is all audio. This will be useless for the uh, for the listeners, but um, I, I did have a shave a couple of weeks ago, and now I am sort of at the stage of about six or seven days in, and it's an embarrassing six or seven days in. That so much so that Nick probably can't see anything, which uh, probably tells <laughs> tells the point of Dean. So yeah, no stash. Yeah, that was all the questions we got sent. I said we got a lot covered. It was yeah, incredibly frustrating. Frustrating day for Chelsea, a big setback in their race for European football. As I said, I think people play it simple, but see what happens against Newcastle. If we don't win against Newcastle, it's probably going to be quite tough to to conceivably get European football. But that is when we will probably next be back. That's uh, a Monday evening, so a Tuesday listen for you. So we've got a nice, you could, people, there's about a nice nine-day break till Chelsea next play. So in the meantime, people literally do, do anything but think about Chelsea in the meantime. Listen to this podcast, obviously. And then after that, I want you to just get Chelsea out of your minds. Stop worrying about Chelsea. Literally go and do some, do anything else. Go, go and watch, watch part... go and watch June Part Two. By the time, by the time the next, by the time the next podcast is out, Tom and I might have seen that film two or three more times. You don't know. I'm going. Might, but... I'm, I'm going to get on Tuesday. So, and I'm debating seeing it tomorrow <laughs> if I've got the time. Uh, otherwise, otherwise I will see it next weekend when Chelsea are not playing. Um, but yeah, perfect, perfect. So... That international break is going to get rinsed. <laughs> International break coming up soon. Yes, that's the game on the on the Sunday, isn't it? The Leicester game is a Sunday, the sixteenth or seventeenth. Yes, then we don't play again till the thirtieth. So, yes, more time, more time, exactly, people. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Tom, give yourself one last plug before people, uh, before you go, where people can find you and all your stuff. Yeah. So, uh, if you liked what you listened to, it'd be at Tom Coley forty nine on Twitter for those ramblings, along with some film stuff and cricket, uh, taking the piss as well, and then at uh, on football london football.london uh all of my stuff will be on there for chelsea related content thank you very much really lovely stuff as always the links will be in the description below as for us we're on twitter or x about chelsea pod we're on instagram about chelsea pod we're on all your usual podcast platforms apple spotify google etc if you don't already then follow or subscribe whatever platform it is uh, whenever i do put any likes or reposts go a long way as it helps us get spread us out there to as many chelsea Fans as possible. At the end of the day, we are just Chelsea fans talking about the club we love. And yeah, they can be frustrating and they often lead to quite similar conversations. Uh, but we have um, that make you go slightly, slightly insane, which is why it's crucial to have a have something to enjoy away from it. Uh, but yeah, we will see you folks in about nine, ten days time for the next Chelsea game. Until then, keep the blue flag. Fly. Sports Social Podcast Network.